welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Welcome to the Arcade Attack Podcast. My name's Keith and with me today, Adrian. I'm here. Rob. Yep. And back again, it's Patrick. <laughs> it's Kev. Got a hat trick. Yes. Hello. Well done. Yeah. I'm on the furniture now. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Who was that other guy that used to... Oh, I forget, I forget his name. I can't remember. <laughs> he went off... Uh, all Derek hats, or... Like, uh, some, that well, wasn't an illness, was it? It was a... Uh, <laughs> Child. Something child related. Just to clear clear the issue, he was not arrested for anything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> I might edit that bit out. Okay, so today we're here to talk about Nazis. Mm. You should edit that bit out as well. You gotta do. Oh, you know. <laughs> but ever since the advent of the Second World War, the Nazis have remained a constant presence in pretty much all forms of media whenever there's a requirement for a truly despicable villain or foe. Mm. Yeah. Agreed? Yeah, agreed. Yes. Yeah. Indiana yeah. Jones, hello. There you go. Yeah, aliens used to be kind of a default, but, um... You know, the E.T. came <laughs> along, everyone loves aliens That's now. true. <laughs> I was thinking more Star Trek, but yeah, E.T., I guess, as well. <laughs> Surely Nazis were, were the um, the enemy long before aliens, though. Well, Nazis and um, American the Japanese, even more so. Mm, true. Look like some of those old Disney cartoons and Warner Brothers cartoons. They were pretty... Uh, yeah. They were pretty racist. <laughs> but whether they were being shown as the merciless Jerry's in one of the hundreds of fact-based war movies or being depicted in a more outlandish way in films like Iron Sky... You guys seen Iron Sky? I know seen of Nazis. it. You know of it. The Nazis been hiding on the moon. Wow. Right. It's quite funny. It's in a stupid way. Any glorious bastards? Mm-hmm. There still seems to be this morbid fascination and kind of fear and loathing for the Nazis. Uh, it means that scriptwriters and authors and game developers still use them on a regular basis when they're looking for that ultimate representation of like the worst in humankind. Surf Nazis. Yeah. Must Avengers of the Surf Nazis. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, for anyone who doesn't know, this was an incredible film made in the <laughs> never seen it. 80s. <clears throat> is it a trauma film? It's a B movie, wasn't it? Sounds like it, a trauma film. I think it might have been a trauma film, actually. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a very good story about uh, a kind of apocalyptic scenario mm. where there's, I, I believe it was earthquakes or something that decimated the west coast of the States and uh, pockets of surf Nazis started up here. Um, and it leads to a, a fairly young black man being killed by these certain answers, and his mother just goes apeshit crazy and starts killing everyone. Mm. Spoiler alert, a bit late to say that after. But, um, but yeah, no, a very good film. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to check it out. It sounds good. <clears throat> but yeah, so, and to back up my point, you only have to look at two of the biggest game releases from last year Call, Call of Duty, Duty oh, World yeah. War II, and also, what was the other big one? Well, I was going to say, did they remake Inner Jones and the Fate of Atlantis or something? No, because... <laughs> what are we talking about today? Wolfenstein, baby. Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Of course. So here we are, end of 2017, still killing Nazis. Good. Um, now, if you ask any gamer, especially us retro gamers, mm. to think of a video game featuring Nazis, their first response is most likely to be... Wolfenstein 3D. And they'd be right to. It's a legendary title yeah. um, with an influence on gaming that can still be felt today um, and although we'll spend most of our time talking about that that's not the starting point yeah. to really look at the history of Wolfenstein games we have to go further back much further back but before we do I wanted to ask you guys why do you think Nazis are still so commonly used as the enemy because in works of fiction and not just in obviously World War 2 stuff just so the, the, the crimes of the Nazis committed were just so horrific mm. Um, that obviously there's been lots of other horrible people throughout history um, but I feel like the Nazis were just encapsulated as this evil and I think it's easy to replicate that like evil incarnate yeah. so it's, it's, you know you cannot invent that well, you could invent that. I think but if you did the, yeah. the, the, it's the truth that's the real horror I agree I think if if you invented the stories of Nazis no one would believe how evil they'd be like, it's, it's, humans wouldn't do this it's that root it's real history. It's very easy, especially in the West, um, so, to look at the West, um, to remember how evil that, that was. I mean, we've got people in living memory. Yeah, it is still in living memory, isn't it? Who, who still had to go through that. Um, yeah. I just want to preface everything I say in this class by, like, you know, you know I'm Jewish, whatever, but... Um, I think it's the real reason is that Nazi said such an identifiable persona. Mm. You know, like the, the swastika is it's great branding in an objective sense. Well, like, one of the things... the shop uniforms, the whole kind of like mm. uh, genetic racist kind of stuff. Apparently, they were involved in um, the occult and you know all the rocket technology. It's you know it is a great sci-fi villain kind of thing. It is. You know, this is I, I made some notes. I had, like I said something to do with the, the terrible acts they committed. But, like Rob's saying, is it part of it, even though we might not like to admit it, it's like the grandeur and the pageantry and the uniforms and all that kind of side. It, it, it may, almost them. makes them like a caricature, like yeah. a perfect villain. For I mean, for, for, for me, one of the things that really rolls, rolls me up in, in a sense is the hit the youth and things like that. The fact mm. that they got children um, kind of indoctrinated into their kind of thinking um, from a very, very early age. Um, I've recently found out one of my friend's parents was a German survivor from the Second World War. Wow. And was in Berlin at the time that Hitler fell. Mm. 
um, and subsequent to that, moved over to the UK and married a Welsh miner. Right. But I found it beautiful the fact that she came over from Berlin to the UK and was accepted at that kind of time because she got out of there as soon as she could after the Second World War. Mm. There was, so I was going to say, there was a British uh, men's magazine a few years ago, I can't remember which one exactly, but they got in trouble because they had a list of style icons. And um, I think they put a prominent Nazi on there, or just wow. Nazi in general, because there's Hugo Boss uniforms. Hugo Boss made the Nazi uniforms, all that kind of stuff. People kind of like to forget that these days, yeah. but no, like a, a, a general fact. But I think we're going to go on to the later editions of Wolfenstein, and, and I think the whole kind of Nazi thing has actually moved on from what it was in Wolfenstein 3D. It's become... I'll get into it, I think, more when yeah, we go into that, it'll become more relevant. I think you hit the nail on the head there, though. It is it's like perfect branding. Mm. Good marketing. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I thought that would be like an interesting little discussion. But now back to the games. So the first Wolfenstein game, or the first game to bear that name, was, was just called Castle Wolfenstein. Any ideas when it came out? <clears throat> I'm going to say really early 90s. I think 91, 92. Actually, it's up earlier, so I already knew. Early okay. 80s. Early 80s. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll be going 80s. 1981. 81? Hmm. Adrian is incredulous. <laughs> I think, see, me and Adrian had a little discussion on this before we came over. And um, I said, oh, was this a 2D? Well, or was this a 3D? Yeah, it was a 2D game. It came out in 1981. Which is what I kind of suspect is this was before the 3D. Yeah. Uh, designed by Silas Warner, it was released by Muse Software in 1981. And it was released for the Apple II, <coughs> Commodore 64, and the, the, Atari, the family of Atari 8-bit computers at the time, as well mm. as MS-DOS. Simple premise, you're a US prisoner of war being held in the eponymous Castle Wolfenstein. And it starts, you've managed to escape from yourself like the later game mm-hmm. that we'll talk about oh, yeah. um, and your mission during the game is to retrieve secret Nazi war plans <laughs> and then escape from the castle and that's, the, that's the end of the game is it a fictional castle was it no? castle, there's no such thing that's as castle yeah, I think so yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually not that bizarre oh. <laughs> it's not at all don't worry it's a good question it's not really a German kind of name though well, the Stein bit is. Stein. <laughs> Wolf and Stein. Wolf and Stein. <laughs> is Wolf the same in German? Probably not. It's a, I mean, this whole game is about a, a, a man with his dog and his beer, right? Yeah. Wolf and Stein. Wolf and Stein. Yeah. So, it's got mis- lost in translation. So you guys haven't heard or no. seen this game before. So yeah, I, I thought the first one was the 3D. No. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I, yeah, I looked up earlier. Looked but... it up. <laughs> Weirdly, I, I was telling Adrian that I thought the first version was 2D and he corrected me and told me it was 3D. Ooh, so, uh, and I did. So, some humble pie. Some humble pie. I'm <laughs> loving that fight right now. <laughs> Tell us about Castle Wolf and I will. Well, it's actually one of the earliest examples of a stealth game. Ooh. Yeah. There is action, but the game places heavy emphasis on stealth and exploration rather than going all guns blazing. Yeah. Again, that you might expect... Here in the Wolfenstein name. I'll go into the gameplay in a sec, but it's kind of interesting to note that despite a game like this came out in 1981, um, stealth games as a genre didn't really become popular until probably the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Metal Gear, duh. I was just about to ask. Oh, sorry. The arrival of what game kind of popularised oh, the genre? Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, of course. 
Okay, so Castle Wolfenstein. But Metal Gear Solid wasn't, of course, the first Metal Gear game. True. We must not forget. We'll never Metal Gear Solid no, was the rebirth true. of an earlier Metal franchise. Metal Gear, absolutely. And I put that game on the nose, as you've seen. Great like box, thanks for that. Yeah. Yep. Revenge. Okay, so Castle Wolfenstein. You start the game equipped with a gun, limited amount of ammo. Mm. Which you take it from? You look at me funny. Then you're wondering where did you get the gun from? It was taken from a dead prison guard, and you then have to make your way around the sixty rooms of the castle in order to find the secret Nazi war plans and then <laughs> escape. Um, and it uses obviously it is two D. It uses a top down view, yeah. but the characters are viewed as if they were side on. So instead of if it was truly top down, you'd kind of just see the tops of their. Yeah, I understand. So you can see the full character kind of walking around. Yeah, it's not Chaos Engine. Yeah, kind of. What a great. Oh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> that's another podcast um, and once you start moving around you begin to attract the attention of the guards and if they see you they will either try and apprehend you or shoot you leaving you with the choice of either killing them or running from them and there's two ways to kill enemies in the game obviously you can shoot them mm-hmm. the other one is to throw grenades I thought you said it was a stealth game <laughs> it is no, but it is no, it is um, first of all for that stealth <laughs> yeah. It's just a grenade. Um, but ammo is very, very scarce. So there's that risk. But obviously you risk raising the alarm if you fire your gun or if you throw a grenade. Now, when you killed an enemy, you can search the body for ammo, keys, grenades uh, and bulletproof vests. Yeah. So, but you can only carry a limited amount of ammo and grenades. So if there's any surplus, like this carrying 10 bullets, or whatever, you can only take what you can carry. That's it. The rest of it stays there. And there's two types of guards that you have to watch out for. So you've got like a basic guard, and they walk set patrols around each room. So if you may say each screen is a new room. Okay. And so you've got the guards that walk around the room, and they follow a certain path. So obviously you can kind of plan how you avoid them and where you need to go. Um, And they're not very smart. So they only react to the sound of your gunshot or the sound of a grenade, or if they actually see you in like a direct line of sight. They continue to walk these paths, which means you can actually hold them up at gunpoint. So you can sneak up oh, on them from behind. That's yeah. clever. And you can you have the option to search them without killing them. So if you do that, do they then so raise the alarm after you? No, you point your gun at them. Go? You point your gun at them, <clears throat> um, and if he hasn't spotted you, he puts his hands up, um, and you can search them for ammo, keys, etc. Okay. And then, then you shoot them. wander off. And then, yeah, and then you shoot them. <laughs> There's quite a lot of. I was really surprised. Mm. There's quite a lot of depth and detail to it. I could um, name games in 1991 that half <laughs> the depth of that. I know, I know. Um, and so those guards, they can't leave the the room that they're stationed in. So mm. they're only they're, they're sort of restricted to that screen, if you like. Now the other type of guards are SS stormtroopers. Um, and they, they're easily spotted because they've got the SS symbol on their chests. They're much smarter, and once they've been alerted, they'll follow the player from room to room. They take a large amount of ammo or grenades to kill as well. So, it best avoided. Mm. So, how many grenades would you need to kill one of these people? A massive amount. That's a good number. These must be strong people. Yeah, it takes you know. They wear bulletproof. Oh, they wear bulletproof vests. You see, bulletproof uh, vests. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. But definitely a, ma- a large amount. Yeah. Question yeah. Uh, Suspension of disbelief. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In 1981 video games. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, now, obviously, the alternative to shooting them or using grenades is to find a uniform. Nice mm. uniform. And you can either do this by finding one on a dead guard or from a chest. There's chests in different rooms around the castles that you can open. Castles, around the castles that you can open. There's different things inside. And one of those is a, is a uniform. Now, if you wear in one of those, the, the basic guards will think you're one of them mm. and you just carry them in the the SS guard, you still need to avoid the SS guards though because they use the exposures in imposter and so they'll come after you anyway. Wow. But obviously it does make life easier when getting around the other guards who are obviously the standard enemy in the game. So how can you kind of uh, avoid the SS guards? Well, in the same way that you would avoid... Just walk the, around just, them. Yeah, just yeah, basically run away from them. Mm-hmm. Just try and make sure they don't spot you and obviously try not to raise the alarm yeah. by using your gun. It just sounds amazing. I just this game just sounds so complex. More to come. Well, well <laughs> I could say maybe groundbreaking. I was really impressed. I've got to be honest. You know, I, I didn't expect it to be such mm. a such a deep sounding game mm. for that. You know, for that year. So yeah, some rooms contain locked chests, and they can be picked and searched. Mm. Some are empty, but many contain bullets, grenades, uniforms, bulletproof vests, and one of them contains the secret Nazi war plans. Just the one in the sixty rooms. Yeah. How many of them would you like to have all the same? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, yeah, 16 duplicates of the same things. Oh, great. Yeah, the photocopy is a copy. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask, is there any kind of linear path to this game? Or is it literally <clears throat> just you explore a map? No, based on what it, it randomises the rooms. Okay, yeah, so I've got that down here somewhere. It did, yeah, hold on, one sec. So 60 rooms across five floors in the castle. And at the start of every new game, the contents of the rooms are randomised. So and the chest, chest and the, gu- the rooms themselves are the same. Yes. So, yeah, the actual layout of the room. But where the guards are and where the chests are will be randomised so, every time you start a new Could game. you complete the game potentially by going to the next room next to you, potentially? Mm. Well, good. it is truly randomised, but then you've got to escape from the castle. Ah. And you start in your cell, because it's not like you've come in the front door and you've oh, yeah, back good. out. So, yeah, you could get the, the war plans early on. Still got to make your it's way out. There's quite a lot of replayability for such a young game, do you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. That's it. So, although the rooms themselves, like Kevin was saying, the rooms themselves and the route through the castle is the same. Mm. Where the guards are and where the chests are and what's in the chest is different every time. Which is, like I say, for replay value, for a 1981 game, it's pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> there's some cool details. I mean, in some of the chests, the chests that haven't got useful items in, some contain breakfast. <laughs> That's useful, come on. Liebfraumlich. Ah. Schnapps. Schnapps. Surely, surely it's Liebfraumlich, it's like a German wine, isn't it? It's like a German white wine. A really sweet wine, isn't it? Yeah. Which is German wine? German people? German people. German people in Castle Wolfenstein. And pretty much everyone else these days, let's be honest. Yeah. We're not picking. Liebfraumlich. You just want to what's an offer, right? Yeah, it's not like Germany is running sort of France or... Any other, or Italy, or like any other kind of... Uh, funnily enough, I, I, I don't get my wine from Germany or France. I get it from Aldi's. <laughs> what <laughs> Aldi get their wine from? No, Kev, you get it from that off-license you house, two bottles for five pounds. Right, now, <laughs> so get this, two bottles for five pounds, and it is uh, probably Palace Port most, but it's two bottles for five pounds, come on. But what high compliment is there for Cottage Wine than Palatable? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Achida Taco Wine Podcast. <laughs> it is a palatable to all taste. <laughs> um, yeah, so some of the chests contain 
German sausage, German sweet wine. Two for five wine. <laughs> Two for five wine. Yeah, we shouldn't badmouth we shouldn't badmouth Germany in our Wolfenstein <laughs> podcast. In our Nazi bashing. I mean, let's be fair. Two for five pounds in 1981. Wow, been quite a lot of money. Yeah. So actually, it's not that good a deal in 1981. What? <laughs> Two for five pound deal didn't exist in the game, Kev. <laughs> move, move on, Keith. Moving on. Moving on swiftly. Okay. Um, also <laughs> in these chests, Eagleborn's diaries, <laughs> cannonballs. And medals, all of which are useless in gameplay. Oh, you found a cannonball. So I, I don't really understand. But another nice little touch, which I like here. If you drink the schnapps or the Liebharmony, a hick message pops up on the screen. Nice. Which is nice, but which is even, what is even better, <laughs> after this, the player's aim is temporarily unbalanced, meaning that bullets and grenades miss their targets. So they're not pointless. How good is that? 1981. Great. Yeah. It's amazing. Do the, do the medals add to your uniforms? You say they're not used, so I assume not. Oh, what, in terms of... Yeah, in terms of if you're your wearing an SS uniform, no, I don't you so. put medals on. I like the idea, though. Mm. You're a higher-ranking yeah. imposter. Yeah. Hick. Hick. Yeah, but it affects your aim as well. Oh, cool. That is good, isn't it? Mm. I've it, never heard of this game. I, I feel like I should. I do want to play it. So, yeah, the, uh, grenades. You can actually use grenades to destroy internal walls in the castle. Just like in the 3D game. And you can use it to destroy chests, and sometimes this could be necessary to access the chest in a corner of a room, because uh, dead bodies can block the chest. So if you kill a guard and he was standing in front of the chest, and there isn't actually room to walk around him, you can't go over him and you can't get to the chest. So you might need to go around, yeah, you might need to destroy the wall behind him. Hmm. So you use the grenades for that. Um, and it's just great details as well. You have to be careful about which of the chests um, you destroy with grenades, because if it contains bullets, grenades, or a cannonball, it will explode and cause a game. Mm. Wow! Happens if it contains them? Uh, no, no, that's fine. That's uh, fine. Uh, it won't blow up, and you'll get the, uh, the war plans. The yeah. secret Nazi war plans. These yeah. are uh, bomb-proof maps. Yeah, they're yeah, probably laminated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have to find the laminating machine. Oh, guards can't walk over dead bodies either. So you can actually kind of strategically use them to trap guards as well. So you, if there was, say, two or three guards, but there was only one route out of the room or around the room to get you, you could kill the first one and he'd stop the others from, from getting wow. past. And you can also use it to block... If you were being followed by one of the SS guards, you could shoot one of the other guards in the room that you're in, block the entrance, and he wouldn't be able to follow you in. So it's, you know, quite a bit of strategy as well. Um, and one of the big draws at the time as well in this game um, is the digitised voice samples. Again, wow. 1981. Um, and this was pretty much unprecedented in games up to this point. Um, they're all heavily distorted. Um, but it kind of adds to the atmosphere. And the, the guards shout thing, things like, Halt! and Come and see! And I've actually got the sample. I'm going to play it oh, now. Please. So there you go, imagine that wow. coming out of your computer in 1980. Raw. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That is, that is quite incredible, to be honest. It is. Sounds a bit like Ed 209. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Kev, you have to admit it, it does. It does I, I'm, I'm sure my thoughts have been uh, stolen here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, it does. It's got some kind of raw to it. But just, yeah. you know, that just adds to the atmosphere. 
Oh, you know, especially back in those days when you're dealing with a 2D game and yeah. it all looks very basic and stuff like that, you know, just helps suck you into it. So it was released in September of 1981, and by June of the following year, it had sold 20,000 copies. Yeah, so not that... massive, but back then, you know, <clears throat> games on the Apple computers. Oh, yeah, you know, mm. Commodore 64. That's enough for a cult following. Yeah, it was early days as well for like the C64. 1981. So, yeah. um, bit of uh, critical reception. A bit of critical reception. What do we reckon? Do you think? I think high. I think it was good. I think it's uh, yeah, original, different at the time. Surely different, new innovations. It's got to be high reviews, right? Um, it, was, it was pretty good. It was kind of mixed. Mixed yeah. reception. Ooh, what are the minus points? Uh, slow, lo- slow gameplay. So I guess at the time, stealth wasn't a thing. People like to play fast, exciting games. Yeah. Wait a minute, wasn't there a thing where every time you try to unlock a door, it'd go, unlocking in 120 seconds or. I don't know if that was this, <laughs> but. Um, creative Computing criticised the slow gameplay of the Apple version, but they said the thrill of the escape is worth the wait. Um, so they obviously like the game overall. Ahoy! Which Ahoy. sounds like a very um, jolly magazine. Um, dislike, again, disliked the Commodore 64 slow loading times. And apparently it had irritating wall collision detection. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you could kind of get stuck in the wall, which is, you know. I think most Commodore 64 gamers hate slow loading times. Yeah, well, I think most gamers hate yeah. slow loading times. I don't, yeah. I don't think anyone goes, oh, I love slow loading time. I'm a Commodore 64, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but Ahoy said, Castle Wolfenstein is addicting. I'm not all that big <clears> on killing everything that moves, but I really got caught up in the adventure. Ahoy. Good price. Ahoy. In 1996, Computer Game World, another magazine I've never heard of, <laughs> named Castle Wolfenstein the 116th best game ever. Good. <laughs> there was a mod. <laughs> now, there was, this is another pioneer, talking about pioneering games. Ain't had too many beers. Pioneering games. <laughs> there was a mod in 1983 called Castle Smurfenstein, oh. which replaces the Nazis with Smurfs. I like so you're killing the Smurfs. This is one of the mm. earliest known art mods in the video game as well. Mm. Yeah. Now it's commonplace <clears> all the time, going for thought or whatever. But yeah. Sounds like a really smurfy idea. So, uh, do you ever come across Smurfette? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, like cutest players, come on. I don't think there were female guards in the original game, so there's probably not a female Smurfette. <laughs> <laughs> if there was, there'd only be one, right? So. Yeah. Also, that would have predated the cartoon. I don't know if. Smurfette turn up in the Smurf comics. This is an interesting but point. Going off on a blue tangent. <laughs> this is a tangent. Okay, so here at Arcade Attack, as we know, every good game deserves a... Sequel! <laughs> the sequel was called Beyond Castle Wolfenstein. Right. Any idea what the plot of the sequel is? <clears throat> oh, I know. Escaping through the town, maybe? No, I think it's Escape from the Castle Wolfenstein again. Well, no, because you're beyond the castle. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. So, you think it's escaping from the town. Adrian thinks it's escaping from the castle again. <laughs> I'm glad I'm day, really. Not, you know, Rob, any ideas? I think it's from one of those, your princess is another castle thing. And uh, it's a, a similar castle. It's difficult. I suppose they'd have the engine for the castle, wouldn't they? So, well, they, do they take the cheaper route and just rehash what they've done? Or do they <coughs> mod it more and do the town? I'll tell you now. 
Okay, well, first of all, it was released in 1984, sequel, again by Muse Software. Again, Apple II, C64, MS-DOS, and the Atari 8-bit computers. Right. Now, this time, and tell me, history buffs, if this rings any bells, instead of escaping the castle, you're trying to infiltrate Hitler's secret Berlin bunker. Oh, yeah. Where the Fuhrer is holding secret meetings with his senior staff. And instead of finding the war plans and escaping, this time you have to find a bomb which has been hidden by your fellow Allied operatives before making your way to the room where the meeting is taking place and leaving it outside. Mm. To complete the game, you must plant the bomb and escape the bunker before it explodes. So let me get this right. They're basically, you're playing it in reverse. So you're entering the castle. You're finding your way to the room. Bunker. Not the castle. Okay, bunker, castle. Yeah, Fade. it's big difference. Um... <laughs> So you're you're entering it. You're walking away from a maze. You're finding the bunker. You're finding Hitler, and you're planting the bomb, which is basically the rehashed warband. Yeah. Why just Hitler like history buffs? Because we all knew what happened to Hitler's bunker. Wasn't that? No, no, no. It wasn't that. Or was it? It, no, do we all know? Okay, <laughs> yes, obviously, like it was a suicide pact with Hitler and even. Well, this is what we've been talking. Forget the bunker thing. Uh-huh. Think more about the meeting with Hitler's having with his senior staff. And if I say the word Operation Valkyrie. Oh, yeah, there's a Tom Cruise film made about it. <laughs> that wasn't what I was after. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, that was basically the idea was, um, was there was a high ranking operative in the German military who came up with the plot to kill Hitler. It was, hmm. Yeah, it was the, the July 20, 1944 plot to assassinate Hitler. Basically, it was a similar thing. Um, and the bomb did go off in the meeting room and it killed several high-ranking Nazi officials, but not Hitler. So it didn't work. So Tom Cruise failed Tom Cruise did fail. He failed to kill Hitler. Um, but yeah, that's obviously where they've kind of linked the idea for it anyway. It is very, very similar to its predecessor. There's a few small sort of updated elements to the gameplay. This time the guards use a pass system. So you'll be able to destroy your pass. So you're periodically summoned by guards and asked to show the correct pass, and they vary by floor. So, ah, oh, or you can offer a bribe. Ah, again, what a bratwurst! Would you like to see my bratwurst? <laughs> if you show, if you show the incorrect pass or have insufficient money for a bribe, show your bratwurst when it's an appropriate. <laughs> the guard will attempt to activate a bunker-wide alarm or kill the player. Um, this time, the bodies of dead guards can now be dragged at round. So you can hide them out of view to stop other guards from raising the alarm. That's very good. Um, or, again, you can use them to block passages um, or gain access to objects if they were dead in front of a chest, for example. I looked this up, and um, that game has the exact same four-colour scheme that I had in my original PC. Mm. Like, my literally first game-playing machine. Excellent. All kind of pink, blue, white, black. Scheme. Yeah. Actually, I have a question for the group. Yeah, the original Castle Wolfenstein came out in 1981. Yeah. What iconic anti-Nazi piece of culture came out in the same year? <clears throat> film. Could it be a film? It is a film. <laughs> Could it be a film? Oh, 81. What's something lots of non-actors in? Lots of what? Non-actors. Non-actors. Oh, are you talking about um, you should know Escape to Victory? Anyway. Yes. Oh, of course. With Stallone, yes. that's the goalkeeper. And yes. Pele. And Pele yeah. and Bobby Moore and lots of... Hey, Stallone's the Oscar-nominated actor, thank you very much. <laughs> and an Oscar-winning screenwriter. Exactly. 
That's a pocus to me. Yeah, I'd say, uh, <laughs> I'd probably say Surf Nazis had more non actors in it than this film. <laughs> <laughs> Still a great film, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, grenades in this game have been replaced with a dagger, oh. so that even more emphasis is placed on self. The idea of some never catch on. <laughs> no. Um, which means obviously you can kill the guard silently to avoid distracting attention. Um, there's more speech samples and sound effects in this one. And if you complete the game, you're rewarded with a high resolution for like Nate 4 image of the bunker exploding in the background as the player runs away. Yeah. Sounds rad. It does sound rad. Um, so, but apart from that, it was the same basic game. So, a higher resolution image than if you don't complete the game, you still get to see the bunker. You just got a blurry image. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one got a mixed reception again. Um, I could only find one little snippet from a magazine called Antic. That's a great name for <laughs> a gaming magazine. You'd have no idea that, come on, a video games magazine called Ahoy. You wouldn't assume that it was a gaming would, magazine. Would you ever work for Ahoy if it was still around today? Ahoy, Ahoy, I don't know. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Apparently, the reason like Burns says Ahoy Hoy in The Simpsons is because there was, there was like the first words someone actually used when they answered the telephone yeah. ever. That's what they were going to. That's what they were hoping people would use as a way to yes. instead of hello. Anyway, this magazine was called Antic, and it's, they said that the Atari Eight Bit version promises more than it delivers in terms of strategy. Which again seems quite harsh for games back in <clears throat> 1984 when strategy wasn't that uh, deep generally. Um, maybe they were Nazi sympathisers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure they were not. If anyone. If anyone wants to this word for Ahoy, you should get in touch. Ahoy are above board, thank you yeah. very much. I think Antic are above board. Maybe Frantic, but Nazi sympathizers. <laughs> Ahoy or Antic, or anyone who worked for an early game that's in the Sunday get um, in touch. Yeah, they said it promises more than it delivers in strategy, but and they criticised it for having the same spare graphics as its predecessor. Mm. Again, what do you expect? Um, slow loading times again. And also, once you know which passes to use and when, apparently you could breeze through the game. Wow. So it kind of discouraged repeat play. It sounds like, uh, as I guessed earlier, maybe they just rehashed the engine. Um, yeah. To some extent. Yeah. So, I mean, you've already kind of already said it. What did you, what did you, they sound good, don't they? These no, games sound... No, they do. Especially the first one. It sounds interesting. Well, the first one seems groundbreaking. The second yeah. one seems it like really does. Slow reboot, but if you've got a good, mm. good game to start off with, maybe you don't need to change that. Yeah. If it was the early eighties, um, it's I'd probably be quite happy with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'm not happy about it. I think it should be a bit more complimentary. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's no way those games could be battered. But yeah. let's be honest: if you want to do something groundbreaking, you have to face criticism. If you're breaking the ground, mm. you know. It's You're not like, going to please everyone, let's yeah. be honest. Mm. I did try. You are the first person to do that, maybe, and, you know, good things follow. Right. Mm. Right. That's, that's a good point, actually, to think that. I just find it really interesting that no one really kind of picked up the cell thing and ran with it for quite a while afterwards. Mm. Again, maybe that, that gaming crime at the time, people, arcades were still massive, they weren't, there wasn't maybe that. What if they were influenced for Metal Gear Solid? Maybe. I'm to, sure they were. You need to get Kojima as an interviewee yeah, on a phone call and you can ask him. Yeah, as soon as you stop recording, I'll give him a phone. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest. No, oh, the phone's a beautiful, beautiful game, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Which is another podcast. Okay, so, Castle Wolfenstein and Beyond Castle Wolf
We wouldn't see another game bearing the Wolfenstein name until eight years later, up on the 5th of May 1992, when what was released? Wolfenstein 3D. Of course. And what was the backstory behind that one? Eight years, that's a long time. What was what are the behind-the-scenes kind of things here, Keith? Well, I'll go into the development of it, but it had it's nothing to do with the original games, which I think is, is completely different developers. Um, I'll go on to have the name and everything, which is probably why a lot of people haven't really heard of those older games. I'll put my hands up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll come to that. How would you describe Wolfenstein 3D before we go into the background and the development? Like, Ready metal. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Personally, it's just groundbreaking. I'd say good word for it. It made a genre uh, that lives on and continues to live on. Yeah, it's my first um, game, first person shooting ever. Yeah. And I, that genre just blew me away. Yeah. I was like, this, this sort of game couldn't be possible. I know. And it was. It was possible. <laughs> it's so fun. And it just the hours I put into it on the on the PC, I think, was incredible. I loved it. Yeah. I, I have to say, kind of, it's the first game that put you in inside the person holding the gun, shooting the people to some extent. Before that, you were always <clears> kind of looking at them, and this this made you that kind of. Mm. I used to put a large amount of time into this, but I'm going to go into the details where I thought, like, later on, once again, to the uh, mechanics. Um, yeah, I mean, you've covered it. I like what Rob said. It's very metal. Um, it's frantic. It's bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who hasn't played it, it's a 3D first-person mm-hmm. shooter um, where you run 3D levels killing 2D Nazis mm-hmm. with a variety of weapons whilst trying to find items and the exit. And yeah. it's the game that birthed Doom yeah. and influenced an entire generation of gamers and developers yeah. basically um, and it's well same the same uh, main guy John Romero right absolutely yep he'll pop up shortly um, and yeah it basically helped shape the FPS genre into one of yeah. the most popular in all of gaming I mean if you follow that history you go from um, Wolfenstar 3D to Doom yep. to Genuke um, Quake like Hike, Life and Quake, Quake, Quake Hike, Hike, Half Life of course yeah. Um, and pretty much yeah. a lot of stuff follows and Absolutely. I think and it all starts in my opinion with, with Wolf 3D. 3D yeah so do you guys know who developed it? I think you might it? Rob Newell yeah. yeah it's software mm. and it was published Scott, by yeah. it was published by Apogee we, Scott Millen had not that show before Jim, we? yeah and it uh, well, did did he do it as well and um, Jim Lincoln Quite. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. So before we look too much at the game itself, we'll have a quick look at the development of it. So, tail end of 1990, a small group of developers working um, at Soft Disk Programming Studio in Louisiana. And this little group of programmers, they called themselves Ideas from the Deep. And they decided to leave and form their own company, and the legendary id Software was born. <laughs> the original team consisted of programmers John Romero and John Carmack, designer Tom Hall, artist Adrian Carmack, and their manager Jay Wilbur. And at the time, do you guys know what id were known for then, before Wolfenstein, what their game, it's like a series of platform games. Yeah, yeah, um, Before. I'm talking about the CD. Um, yeah, no, no. Ah, oh, I do know this, but I can't remember the actual name. Commander Keen. Mm. Of course, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, a series yeah. of PC platform games. Yes, which is similar to Duke Nukem, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, the original Duke Nukem 2D platform games, yeah. PC platform games generally sucked. Uh, Jazz Jackrabbit. That legendary game, Jazz Jackrabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Look, like, I 
don't know if that's your whole defense. Well, I think there are two bolts uh, just, just right No, platformers are a console thing. They were. The same way strategy games were a PC thing. Rob, I have to agree. I have to agree. Okay, so maybe not on the PC, but there was a plenty of good platformer on the early kind of Commodore type. Amiga? Yeah. You know, is, is that a PC or a console? I'm not entirely sure. Well, so maybe there's... It's a home computer, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's a computer. computer. And there was a lot of decent platform games on those I mean, systems. Mario Brothers was released in 1985, so, like, how does it compare to that? How does anything on the Commodore 64 compare well, to Super Mario Brothers? So I had a uh, New Zealand story on the there were good platform games on those systems um, but I agree maybe it's a Microsoft thing but on the PC they never really went that far mm. yeah I just thought the PC was a bit behind the game a bit you know it's not right from platforms no, it wasn't right it wasn't right. as you said before it's more of a mouse based point and click thing yeah exactly. so that's what they were made, it were mainly known for at the time um, and then uh, John Carmack began experimenting with 3D computer graphics. So up to this point, it been mainly used for flight simulation games, um, Wing Commander, stuff like that. Um, and he found that the limitations of PCs at that time meant that they had difficulty displaying like a fast action game in 3D because of the numbers, number of surfaces that needed to be calculated. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so what he did was experimented with limiting the number of surfaces that the computer needed to display. And he created game levels with walls designed on a flat grid instead of sort of random shapes and angles. Um, and he used something which I've never heard of, but read up on called ray casting. Um, it sounds familiar. Well, basically, only the surfaces visible to the player are calculated. Yeah. So if you imagine what you're looking at is the only stuff that exists. So behind you and to the sides isn't there. So it's not having to create that whole 3D environment. So obviously it puts less strain on the PC. Yeah. So um, after sort of six weeks of playing around in development, uh, I created a 3D game engine that used animated 2D sprites. Starting to sound familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so in late 1991, the team sat down to plan their next major game. And uh, their designer, Tom Hall, recognised that they'd moved away from 2D platformers and were looking into like 3D action games. Um, and he suggested a sci-fi themed game titled It's Green and Pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to play that game. Do this so oh, old school. Isn't it? Um, and British. Yeah, it's Green and Pissed. But John Romero suggested a remake of the 1981 game Castle Wolfenstein. Oh, I wish they made it Green and Pissed. It's <laughs> a fan of We did it in school. Let's <laughs> be honest, we could be sitting here talking about this green and pissed. And it's, <laughs> so we're talking about, well, actually, we are talking about this green and pissed. We are. So, just there we go. It. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was his idea. John Romero suggested a remake of Cross Wolf and Legend, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that idea was well received, but as uh, a few of the team all had fond, rem- fond memories of the original game, and they thought that a maze like shooter would work well in that 3D game engine. Um, and they also wanted to move away from the kind of child-friendly art style of the Commander Keen games, mm. which are kind of cute platformers. Um, and they wanted to get into something more violent. So, um, so what Romero proposed was a loud and cool, fast action game. Um, and he wanted to keep the core of the gameplay simple, um, as he felt that the novelty of the 3D environment at the time and a simple control scheme would be better than like a slow, stealthy mm. kind of... Like, like, 
if you were doing a remake of that original Wolfenstein game, you might yeah. expect more of that stealth. That they decided to make most of this new 3D engine and the sort of impact that would have on gamers. Well, I think the uh, d- doing the stealth from a first person view would have been a lot more difficult than from a top down view. Mm. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So Especially as, as, as gamers would have, this would have been new to everyone pretty yeah, much. No, that's it. So trying to get used to. Trying to 3D space and stuff. Yeah, angle would have been very difficult because yeah. you know the world is the world created around you is only actually what's in front of you. Mm. So how do you know what's behind you? And, and you know it's very difficult to, to see. So. Well, in this game, nothing was behind you because nothing was behind you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you say that. As someone who played the game, man, like. It was a scary game. Well, they yeah, are, but the 3D environment isn't having to be rendered. Yeah, you get like, it, Rob. You get it. Yeah, look, it was a, it was <laughs> yes, fun. Like, look, I played the shareware, like the shareware version because yeah. the game came out um, in original shareware version. You get like kind of one iteration of the game, and then if you wanted to play the entire thing, you have to like buy more. But thing was, like, I, I played a really crappy PC with no like it had no real sound card. Mm. So we don't really have like the good sound effects. So, and that actually made it more scary. You can wandering about and just suddenly screen like the screen start flashing red, and then you hear this bow, bow, bow. Ah, someone's shooting at me. What am I, what am I going to do? Like ah, and they would be behind you, Adrian. Yeah, yeah. they would I'm show sure you if, you, if they were behind you. There you go. This evil unhappy Nazi <laughs> kill that fair play. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah they, they felt that the game would occupy a unique place in the industry at the time because PC gaming in 1991 1992 was dominated by slower simulation and strategy games yeah I mean, mm. time has and point and click games even point just very relaxed yeah. Yeah. I think time has proven it to be right on that mm-hmm. um, now obviously going back to what Rob said earlier um, regarding the name they were doing sort of a remake now, they thought they might have issues um, yeah. being able to use the Wolfenstein name yeah. due to trademarking. Um, but they contacted Silas Warner, the developer of Castle Wolfenstein, um, and they learned that Muse Software no longer existed and the trademark had lapsed, which left them free to use the name Wolfenstein 3D. Wow. There's no one owned the rights to it. So it's got no direct link apart from... Not really, other than it, they were inspired by it. Yeah. But there's no... Yeah, nothing... No, well, I think it's, I think I'm sure the producer of the original game must be, not happy, well, must be pretty happy about that. The legacy oh, probably, yeah, I believe Silas Warner well, is no longer with us. I bet they'd be happy if they were receiving royalty checks. Well, you, we, say, you say the legacy continues, but would we be sitting there talking about this if it was not for Wolfenstein 3D? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. our own personal experience is Wolfenstein. Oh yeah, Castle from, Wolfenstein may have been consigned to 3D. distant history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, fair point. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. So, Wolfenstein 3D, they've got the name, no problem. Now, John Romero wanted the goal of the game to be to mow down Nazis mm. and create a feeling of suspense as you storm a Nazi bunker filled with SS soldiers and Hitler himself. He wanted to <clears> include <throat> dogs, blood, like you never see in games, mm. and straightforward lethal weapons. Again, totally metal. Of course it is. And, like, the, if you actually play the game, the layout of this, you're in this castle, and, like, all the walls are, like, these kind of stone walls, mm. yeah. except they're broken up by like, these incredibly ornate, massive Nazi symbols. Yeah, yeah. Like portraits of Hitler, but like kind of big gold, like hawks and stuff. Yeah, and big gold eagles. Exactly. Yeah, description. Yeah. And there was there was an idea to include the ability to loot and move dead soldiers' bodies, 
um, but they sacrificed it in order to maintain the pace of the game, which again, in hindsight, was probably a good And lots of sequel-like wounds. I was going to yeah. say, I, I want to correct myself, you can't blast through walls, but I remember taking the hours looking for the secret walls. You can open the secret doors. Yeah, space you... bar would open the walls. Yeah, space yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I kept walking around the walls slowly. Space, space bar, space bar, space bar. Space bar, space bar. <laughs> yeah. And eventually one would open, full of treasure. It was the best one of any Easter eggs. There you go. Now here's an interesting one. The level design took inspiration from a very famous game. Can you guess which? Hmm. Wait, not from the original Wolfenstein, that'd be too No, simple. very famous game. Which that you hadn't even heard of that one, so wasn't that, was it? <laughs> huh. A very famous very Batman. On the money, my friend. Wow. Yeah. Batman. Uh, well, and the developers... well, I just have a high five for that. Yeah, I was going to say Zelda, but no, I'm wrong. Batman. And the developers <laughs> paid homage to this with a hidden Pac-Man level. Wow, I didn't know about that. Yeah, that rings a bell, honestly. I... I but I did, as soon as I read that, I thought, oh yeah. The kind of the maze-like nature of the level. Mm. So, yeah. Now, as the game was nearing completion, uh, Formgen, who was one of the publishers, uh, they contacted it because they were concerned over the violence and the shock content. How do you think that Id responded to that? The only thing I'd say, it's not humans. <laughs> I reckon they, oh, they took the phone call, oh yes, yes, and just slammed it down. And then what did they do? Just released it anyway. They put no. more. Yes, Kev, they increased these aspects. <laughs> they added, they added ah. stuff that didn't even need to be there. They added skeletons, corpses, bloody wall splatters. They added screams and cries in German. Yeah. They added the death cam. Which, my Leben! My Leben, yeah. <laughs> Um, they added the death cam, which shows a replay of the death of the final boss in each uh, yes. each level, or each mm. episode. Yeah. Um, and in a further push of the boundaries of taste, yeah. I'm going to mess this up pronunciation-wise. You did German, didn't you? They also added Horst Wessel Lied, the anthem of the Nazi party, wow. and banned in Germany since the end of the war wow. for the title screen music. Jesus. So I you know. couldn't play the game in Germany, basically, because it was banned? I'm sure that game would have been that. Well, no, in Germany, especially, I think even now, but definitely at that time, it was actually legal to portray the swastika. So it would have been yeah, yeah, a ban in Germany anyway. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, about like, adding gore, that's really interesting. Um, mm. I take it you guys haven't done a Juno Can 3D episode, which I think is a must. We have. We have. You have. Oh, <laughs> Chris, I'm fan of the show. I apologise. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, okay, so uh, Jinuka offered lots of opportunities to edit and you know, program yourself in that game, which is something that I did, and one of the first things that I did was make, um, uh, basically any any time the enemies moved, it spawned guts and legs and arms yes. and everything, um, so there was Sounds just quite nightmarish. added gore <laughs> everywhere, yeah. and you could shoot them and they would just, you know... Rather than losing a limb or whatever, yeah, yeah. I just spawn hundreds and hundreds of bits of cool. Yeah. So that was that was its reaction. So. Yeah, I've known you for so long, and every episode <laughs> we do, I'm getting more concerned. More into the inner care. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. concerned too. Yeah. Yeah. So I know the program, and what did I do? I added more and more guns to Well, you're in good company. That's what its software did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I did the Nazi party anthem to the title screen. Um, I, I like this kids. Yeah, well, Apogee um, yeah. considered it to be their star developers um, and they put their full support behind the project. Scott Miller, wasn't he? He was way behind it. Yeah, um, and they helped from Jen, um, who had, they produced its uh, previous release, which was Commander Keen in Aliens Ate My Babysitter. 
Um, they? they overcame their concerns about the, the content. Oh, well, <laughs> they overcame their concerns over the content um, and they this put it in a unique position at the time of being able to sell simultane- sim- simultaneously to both the shareware market through Apogee mm-hmm. and the retail market through Formgen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first episode of the games released the shareware free distribution by Apogee and also available to buy on the 5th of May 1992. Mm-hmm. So it's 20, nearly 26 years ago. Loved it. I remember getting it from my uncle mm. and he said the checks came out. I was like, what is this game? It just blew my mind. So before you guys mm. tell me what you think about it and your memories of it, um, brief plot, it's kind of a thin plot. You are William B.J. Blaskovitz. So the same character as before. Yeah, B.J. An American operative of Polish descent and you have a sole purpose to destroy the Nazi war machine. And how does B.J. get into this uh, situation? The game is divided into sets of three episodes. I'm sure you remember it's ten levels across the three episodes. Uh, episode one was called Escape from Castle Wolfenstein. Mm. Blaskovitz has been captured while trying to find the plans for Operation Eisenfaust. Mm. Anyone know what Eisenfaust is? Mm-hmm. No, yes, but I feel like I should. You should it sounds like a mix of Eisenstein and Faust. Iron uh, Fist. Oh, okay. So the plans uh, for Operation Iron uh, Fist, Fist, and he needs to escape. So sounds. That's, that's episode one. Uh, episode two was Operation Eisenfaust, which follows BJ's discovery and thwarting of the Nazi plan to create an army of undead mutants in Castle Holhammer. Mm. Any idea uh, what that is in English? That's an easy one. Uh, Ironhammer. No, because we've just done that. That would have yeah, been, been, been Eisen. Pay attention. I'll stop talking now. Holhammer. Um, it's like one letter different. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Just tell us. Hellhammer. <laughs> okay, episode three. Now, this made me chuckle. I want to see who gets the reference here. It was called Die, Fuhrer, Die, and it made me think of a Simpsons episode. Yes, the, the bar, bar the. The, yes. <laughs> the Fuhrer, the. Where B. No one speaks to be a bad person. <laughs> that is one of the best episodes. It is it? the best Simpsons episode. Cape Fear is the best Simpsons episode. The yeah. That episode is called Die Fuhrer. <laughs> die Fuhrer Die. Die Fuhrer Die. Yeah, there you go. But um, when was that released? I think it may have I was just wondering that. I'm just wondering. It probably come before, didn't it? Yes, episode three, where BJ infiltrates a bunker underneath the Reichstag, which climaxes with a battle against Adolf Hitler himself <laughs> in a robotic suit equipped with four chain guns. Yes. Totally metal. Totally metal. Totally awesome. Yeah. And there was something called Nocturnal Missions, which uh, were extra missions that you could buy. <coughs> nocturnal Missions. <laughs> nocturnal <laughs> Missions, like <laughs> E-Missions. Um, and they formed like a prequel story. Right. It dealt with Nazi plans for chemical <clears throat> warfare. Um, and those episodes were called A Dark Secret, Trade of the Madman, and Confrontation. The Nocturnal, mission, the nocturnal Missions were a dark secret. <laughs> and there was another additional episode. Uh, was it called Go on. Spear of Destiny? It was. Was that? And how 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 did these things do? How did they sell? Hold on. Hold on. Alright. An additional episode called Spear of Destiny was released by Formgen, which followed Blaskovitz on a different prequel mission as he fights to recapture the Spear of Destiny from the Nazis mm. after it was stolen from Versailles. Lots more uh, vines in that game, right? Yeah. Do you the guys know what the Spear of Destiny was? Yeah, yeah. You go first. Isn't it some myst- myst- mystical or mythical even um, 
spear that that could raise the dead or something. Is that like in an Indiana Jones film? Yeah, it's like it should be. Yeah. Am I talking complete rubbish? Or there definitely wasn't Indiana Jones, was it? That's like it should have been. Well, the Holy Grail. It's also the Spear of Destiny. It's also known as the Holy Lance, and it's said to have been used to pierce Jesus on the cross to check whether he was dead. Yeah. Um, and it's said to have some kind of spiritual power, and apparently Hitler was rumoured to be obsessed with the idea of finding it. So it's obviously. I, I remember playing that version, putting the most out of all really? it. Honestly, yeah, it was on the PC. Spirit it does sound like a, the plot of an Indiana Jones film, yeah. by the way, because, you know, yeah. Nazis and relics and stuff. But, um, yeah, um, so, brief look at the gameplay. You know, Loved it. I you go through the level fighting Nazi guards yeah. and soldiers, dogs and other enemies while managing supplies of ammo and health. You know, it's, nothing out there could, could compete. It was the first in that genre for me. Maybe, maybe there was other before that, but for me it was the first first-person shooter. It was so original. I loved mm. it. Can you remember what the weapons were? Uh, tank, tank gun. No, knife first of all. Yep. Then uh, you had not that many. Then yep. you had like... Um, Kind of machine gunny type thing. Then chain gun was after that. That's it. It's only four, but it was enough. But good enough. weapons. Yeah. Oh yeah, very much so. And the back, so the backgrounds. I've mentioned it already, but backgrounds and levels are in three D. Enemies and objects are in two D. And that became it. Kind of became common later on. Two point five D. Even Doom. Money. Even Doom was like two yeah. D. You know. And it didn't look that bad. Just some of the enemies were largely two D. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it no. doesn't look bad. It sounds like it should be bad, but it's not. But the thing is, they were always facing you, which meant that there was a lot of clipping on walls sometimes. But apart from the clipping, yeah. they were always kind of facing you. Um, yeah, exactly. Just a 2D rendered image in a 3D world. Also, like, a small thing, but mm. I really liked it. You can see, you can see like, uh, BJ's face, like, in kind of the uh, at the bottom, and the more you get injured, the more you get bloodied, yeah. and, like, he'd have blood, like, leaking out everywhere, yeah. and why did he only... You'd be almost like panting. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. Which they used in Doom. And to be fair, they took it to another sort of level in Doom. But but Wolfenstein was the first. No, they also used it in not id software. If you remember back to our Stallone episode, the 3DO version of Demolition Man. (laughs) No Um, way. Oh yeah. So in the first person shooter of this, so it's a photo of Stallone. There's several photos of Stallone, oh, and then like imagine you know when like when you were at school and you messed about on like Microsoft Paint and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You imagine so you'd like import <laughs> a photo and then like you just drew like a red line for some blood Would on his face. <laughs> That's you, what it looks like. Oh, maybe like some purple bruising. That's what it looks like. Photoshop it's there, really bad. Yeah. If you yeah. invented a time machine and you could go back in time and you had Stallone for an hour and you had to. <laughs> Face paint on him, <laughs> and you had to take pictures at different stages of getting beaten up. Adrian, is that your ideal job? I don't, yeah. I don't want to think what you would do. That's the so many ways. <laughs> I really don't want to think what you would do if you had Stallone for an hour. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't punch his face, in, that's for sure. <laughs> Best not to dwell on that. But yeah, they you know use it for that as well. well so now, yeah. So your health starts at one hundred and it's diminished when you're shot or attacked. It falls to zero, you lose a life. Can you remember when you lose a life when you restart the level? What it leaves you with, like in terms of equipment? Um, not a lot. Don't you still have a knife? No, it actually leaves you with the pistol and eight okay. bullets. Mm-hmm. Well, it gives you a fighting chance. Um, and you start each episode of three lives. Obviously, um, you can find more in the level. You can gain them by earning a certain number of points, mm. which are scored by obviously killing enemies or finding treasure. Oh, or secret rooms, secret areas, which can be accessed by activating certain wall tiles. Space bar slide back when triggered. 
and you could go, I don't know if you guys remember this, but you could gain extra points if you killed all the enemies, yes. found mm. all the treasure, yes. found all the secret areas. Yes. Um, you get scored at the end of the level. Yeah, and also if you, like, based on your time as well, you could get bonus points oh, for how quickly you did it. Um, you get a completion ratio and your speed. Um, and this was interesting to me because I'm, I'm not sure that this would have been standard on games back then, but your PC games could probably yeah. tell me. In the original release, you could save the game at any point. Hmm. Whereas in most of the ports of the game, you could only save between levels. Oh, right. Yeah. I suppose was, that com- it- was that common though in those days, being able to save whenever you wanted? Or it wasn't available on the shareware version. No. Okay. It must, yeah. It says the original release. Maybe it means like the full kind of. Retail. I think that was quite a new thing. Like, you know, yeah, yeah I, I feel like that was quite common. Yeah. No, it's just something that stood out to me when I was when I was looking up. Okay. So tell me what. Tell me about it. Before we look at next, we we're going to look at the ports, but obviously Love you it. guys have got memories. And... Loved it. I've got nothing bad to say. I remember mm. Marvel came one day, so I oh, checked new game out. Mm. And it just blew. It's something so original. Yeah, I loved it. I spent countless hours on it. It was so badass. Like, I, mm. As I kind of say, it was really scary. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's like Doom and like Levy Games kind of built on the atmosphere, yeah. but the fact that you're in this kind of like level, you're all around like stone walls everywhere, mm. stone and wood walls. It's like massive kind of Nazi kind of things on there, yeah. and you really know you kind of go into these rooms, and you don't really have a limited field of sight. Yeah. You don't really, you'd like you kind of turn around and go, and suddenly you'd be being shot from behind the screen, flash red, and you see, as I say, I had a really bad card, and you see, it's like, what is it going on? Ah, where's it? I'm coming for? I don't know what's going on. And it would creep you the hell out, it's great. And then obviously, kind of, you get big guns, you go on, and it's that kind of immersion, I guess. Yeah. It, was, it was new. I can't, I, you know, that's it. it. I kind of think that the game was beautiful, mm. but you know, my love of the game isn't just the game; it's the entire genre that is formed. Mm. Yeah, I think like, yeah. you look at what came after, and you have to attribute so much of it back to that original game. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was, and I think, like Rob was saying, it was just full on. And I think they made the right decision in taking out those elements that might have slowed it down. You know, being able to move bodies and stealth kind of stuff that they might have wanted to include because the homage to yeah. the original maybe. Um, but I think they made the right decision in just kind of streamlining it. All frantic, yeah, frantic. The word, isn't it? I think. I think that that was kind of probably the right thing to do because if you look at Metal Gear Solid, the moments where you're having to be stealth are a lot slower and I think it has yeah, to come a long yeah. way to be able to balance that mm. and even though we're solid I don't think it does the fronting quite as well as those normal kind of first person shoots that no, that's, no that's that's a fair point it does go a bit it does go fronting it's basically one kind yeah. of fronting yeah 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 that's a fair point that is a fair point um, I just remember playing levels and, and being annoyed at myself if I didn't find all the secret rooms mm. I was like where's that secret room and I, yeah it's so great fun <laughs> loved it well, you had to replace your spacebar three times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> ports. Love a good port. Ports. Love a good port. So, one of the most notorious ports is the Super Nintendo one. Yeah. Good old Nintendo. They don't like blood. No. So, they replaced the blood with... Uh, don't say green slime. No. Wait, with no blood? Sweat. It's, it's well known when you get shot, you tend to sweat profusely. <laughs> um... They replace this. I don't even understand. Well, maybe it's because um, animal cruelty. They replace the dogs with rats. It's obviously all right to shoot the giant rats, by the way. Yeah, it's obviously all right to shoot rats, not dogs. Uh, I mean, when you're shooting dogs, sweaty rats, sweaty rats. 
Um, they removed all the Nazi references. Wow. So it looks, and so what they changed it slightly, and it, so it looks like your enemy is obsessed with crosses and big gold birds. So it makes saying, sense now. They've taken the potentially Christians out. with rats. <laughs> this is a different kind of game entirely. Yeah, and I'm sure it sounds like Nintendo didn't really intend to sh- have you shooting Christians. But no, I'm sure they didn't. Well, they just took the the ends off the swastika. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was developed by ID, the SNES port, but obviously Nintendo had stipulations if it was going to appear on their cuddly console. Oh. I mean, why even bother releasing just, a game like well, that on your is, console if you don't like the idea of people killing people with big guns? Yeah, yeah. This is a point. So Nintendo have always been much more focused on family. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. Style games. Yeah. Um, and that's the point. Don't release why it. bother? Yeah, but then, you know, the Nintendo also love money and they didn't want to miss out because, but you know, they get caught. I don't remember there being a SNES version. I remember the Mortal Kombat version. Like, obviously, was way toned down. What year did this come out? 94. That was after more. So I remember Doom coming out and says, I don't remember Wolfenstein. Yeah, 1994. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it Pointless. running. It's, it's very blocky, as you would imagine. Yeah. And, you know, they've taken a lot of the fun out of it. Um, but yeah, that was 1994. Um, there was a Mac port in 1994. Not that many people were playing games on Macs then. There wasn't a port. Uh, well, there was a port on the Atari Jaguar, wasn't there, Adrian? Do you know what? Um, I'm always going to defend the support the PC version as the best mm, yeah. but and before you go on yeah. and I'm sure you'll make a point now yeah. but it has got a reputation as being the best console port <clears throat> go on. I played it ah. I like it and have you got it? I've got it you have got it I've got it it's great actually I had it as a kid it's one of those games that I owned, oh. I owned as a kid I don't know, you know I've collected a lot of games since but yeah. I, I put it's still got the sort of PC vibe to it it's still I think it's got mm. everything in it basically. Yeah. It's so close to the original. And I know Jaguar gets mm. a you know, I'm always gonna defend the Jaguar. You'll never say a bad word against <laughs> Jaguar. You defend the white man can't jump. <laughs> we have that we have that. Yeah, we've got that recorded, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately you That's do. In the puppet domain as well. You know Atari Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> but Wolfenstein putting on the Jaguar is a very good pull and I think it's worth a you it's good. Yeah, it's I mean good. based on what I read, the only complaint about it was the Jag, not the Jag controller itself, but the fact that it hasn't got like the L and R. They can't. There's no strafing, so you can't yeah. strafe in it, which you is need. a real pain for a game like Wolfenstein. You need to be able to strafe. You, so in the SNES one, you can strafe in the Jag version. You have to hold a key, a button down. I think. Oh, is it one of the the little buttons? I think and, so. Okay, so it's it not makes quite it awkward. The same. So you can do it, but yeah. Um, okay, so there you go. Jaguar version was supposedly the best console port. It was also released uh, in 1994 on the. Acorn Archimedes. How was that? Not the best pull. Right. <laughs> the 3DO in 1995. Wow. Um, so many 3DO games no one has played or even seen. <laughs> the Apple 2GS in 1998 and the PC 98 mm. in 1998. Apple 2G. I'm yeah, no, I, no. Um, so yeah, the SNES and the ports were developed by id. Yeah. Um, and the others were sort of published by various different companies. There was also a Game Boy Advance version in 2002 which isn't supposed to be very good. Yeah. Um, I wonder, really? Yeah. Um, and it came to the Xbox Live Arcade and PlayStation Network, obviously much later. Um, also, as well, um, renowned developers Bethesda, who are obviously mm-hmm. huge now, um, their parent company bought it in 2009. Mm. 
Um, and they celebrated the 20th anniversary of all 3D by releasing a free-to-play browser version in 2005. And Reception. What kind of reception? Oh, do you think Wolfenstein 3D got at the time? Euphoric. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. was well received by reviewers upon its release. Uh, yeah, Chris Lombardi of Computer Gaming World praised the sparse but gorgeous, frighteningly realistic and extremely violent graphics, as well as the immersive sound and music. He did mention the violence. He said those sensitive to such things should stay at home. Um, and he also said it was the first game technologically capable of creating a sufficient element of disbelief. Um, to emotionally immerse the player in such a threatening environment. That's very high praise. It is, isn't it? They stated that he, he knew of no other game that could evoke such intense psychological responses from players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. It, it received five out of five stars in Dragon in 1993. Again, these games magazine. They made it. They got it Dragon, Dragon, they made uh, it. Yeah. Was, this, was this Dragon user or something like that? Might be. You know the old Dragon PC... It must have been, actually, yeah. yeah for, we're talking about PC games. Don't yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they called it definitely one of the best arcade games ever created for PC. Um, praised the graphics and sound, fast-paced action. Said it could keep players enthralled for weeks if they weren't concerned about the violence. We weren't. We weren't. <laughs> um, the early ports of the game also received quite high praise, um, although apparently sales were quite poor. I haven't got numbers, but they were described as dismal. Sales of the, I know the console ports. Of I don't remember it ever coming out in the cities. Like I don't remember being advertised at all. The, the problem is for, for the Jaguar, for example, Doom came out pretty much the same time. So mm. do you get Wolf inside of Doom. I was one of the weird people that got Wolf inside every day with the Jaguar <laughs> first. Well, in uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly, which I do know, it's still it's still going. It's one of the biggest yeah. game magazines in America. They put they called the Super Nintendo version a good conversion. They said it retained the music. Uh, the good music, huge levels, and overall fun of the original game, and dismissed the censoring as inconsequential. Mm. Which, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it'd be quite the same experience. Yeah, it's not like atheist to me. <laughs> <laughs> they rated the Jaguar version similarly, and they said the graphics and audio were superior to other versions of the game. But they criticised the faster movement of the player character as making it less fun to play. I would. I'd like to know more about that. It's a strange one. Jaguar, so it was either too fast or too slow. They just can't get, it's like porridge, isn't it? Too hot, too cold, you can't get it right. Uh, Game Pro was highly um, positive when reviewing the Jaguar report. Mm-hmm. So they said that Wolfenstein 3D had set a new standard in PC gaming and that the Jaguar version was the best conversion to date and better than the original due to its increased graphics and sound. Right, high praise, you know, I don't know about I mean, I'm, I'm a massive, you know me. But even I can't quite agree with that sentence completely. <laughs> I, I won't, I won't, I mean, so is it possible this person is a bigger Jaguar fan than you? I want to meet this guy. Yeah. I want to buy him a beer. Um, <laughs> an there's loads of praise here, but there's like there's some interesting one, like the 3DO version. We don't think much about 3DO. Yeah. Uh, GamePro commended it, and they said that they commended its complete absence of pixelation, uh, fast scaling, rousing music, and high-quality sound effects. And they concluded <laughs> that the game, although it was over three years old at the time, Still packed the punch. I'm amazed how many of the. Like, <laughs> it won the coveted. Uh, it won the coveted uh, best 3DO game of 1995 <laughs> award. I was just I'm always <laughs> amazed that number one half in 3DO turns up in these. <laughs> I know. But also, how often the 3DO version is the best version? How did this console fail? It's scary. Isn't it? It's sad that we all won, isn't it? Yeah. No? We do, don't we, Keith? We all won. What, 3DO? I do. Yeah. I want 3DO. Yeah. Yes, don't we all? Uh, it, oh, it beat um, 
Well, what if, can you think of any other like really highly acclaimed games for the 3DO? Need for Speed, obviously. It beat Need for Speed wow. to the game of 3DO game of the Year award. Um, doesn't mention it here, okay. but it beat Need for Speed to that oh. award. Impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. Oh yeah, and uh, a modern take when it was released on the PlayStation Network, um, IGN gave it a quick review, mm-hmm. um, and they said that although it's dated and flawed. Required playing for any first person shooter fan. Mm. It's the start, mm. it's yeah. the beginning. You've got to play, yeah. you've got to know your history. Exactly. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, to sum up on Wolfenstein 3D, fair to say it single handedly popularised the first person shooter. Mm. Yeah. It established the fast paced action and technical prowess expected of those kind of games because they always tend to be at the peak of what gaming is doing <clears> at any given time in terms of graphics and. And obviously it paved the way for it to develop Doom and Quake and Duke Nukem, mm. as we mentioned, mm-hmm. which were also hugely successful and hugely influential. Um, and just to kind of draw a line on the Wolfenstein 3D, do you guys think it's deserving of its reputations? Definitely. Yeah. I think it, it's, like, it's something that gets forgotten in my eyes. I mm. think it deserves, if not even more praise, I think it... It's the first, one of the first games yeah, to, yeah. to start a genre. We spoke about it earlier. It's, it's that good. Mm. Yeah. Massive fan. It's, it's got a special nostalgic <laughs> place in my heart. Mm. So. You have all, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> We're in agreement. So, there's been a few games since. Yeah. Now, probably only one of them classes is retro. Because it came out in 2001. Yeah. Well, be careful, even though Dylan's not here, I can kind of feel his presence. And if I start talking about <laughs> modern games for too long, yeah. I'll be in trouble. So, do you guys know what the next Wolfenstein game was? Return of Castle Wolfenstein? Return to Castle Wolfenstein, yeah. I mean, it's kind of amazing that it was nine years after Wolfenstein 3D, mm. considering its success. And obviously, in gaming since the 90s, if something made money, they made sequels and sequels mm. and sequels. I feel like I might have anticipated this and then not bought it. Really? Or I might have bought it. Okay. I feel like I, I knew it was coming out and at the time it was kind of Wolfenstein. Mm. And then I think it wasn't well received. Am I right in thinking that? Um, I think it'll be the old mixed reviews mm. and yeah. cliche. It's interesting because like, you look at it now and it really feels like a 2001 game. Like It's post Goldeneye, it's post kind of Counter Strike, but also before, I'm pretty sure, Call of Duty. Mm. Yeah, it's before Call of Duty and it's around the time the Medal of Honor series, series started yeah, to take it, off. So it's moving away from its roots. I've never played it. Um, it I, I never. Tell us about it, Keith. I was never enticed to play it. Should I play it? Maybe. Oh, okay. It's not November 2001 was released uh, for Windows and then PlayStation 2, Xbox, Linux, and Macintosh. Um, and it serves as both a remake and a reboot to the series. It was developed by Grey Matter Interactive and Nerve Software. Developed the multiplayer mode. They've got some nerve, haven't yeah. they? Releasing this game. It oversaw <laughs> the development. I don't think it matters. <laughs> it oversaw the development and were credited as executive producers. Mm. But obviously they didn't develop it. <laughs> yeah, executive producer. It's like, that's, that's not really the most creative of uh, <laughs> no, credits. No, not really. So it's a reboot of um, Wolfenstein 3D and... I mean, it's all it's stuff that's familiar to anyone who's played first-person yeah. shooters in the time since. Um, story-based single-player campaign, um, and then a team-based multiplayer mode. Okay, uh, it, was, it was quite. It was not 
groundbreaking this time, but it was quite fun. It was early days of online multiplayer, mm-hmm. first-person shooters, so it's quite fun. Yeah. Um, very, very quick summary of the plot. Um, in the campaign, allied agents from the fictional OSA. Do you know what that might stand for when you guess it? Um, I'm say. sure it's some of the OSS. The Office of Secret Actions. Yeah, um, like, yeah. you know, the forerunner to this. OSS being the forerunner of the CIA. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were sent in to investigate rumours surrounding one of Heinrich Himmler's personal projects, the SS Paranormal Division. Um, and the agents are captured before completing their mission and imprisoned in... Castle <laughs> Taking the role of BJ Blazkowicz, the player must escape the castle. Um, Why would he go back? He's just captured <laughs> and imprisoned. Oh, okay, fair enough. BJ is just like a character who won't go down. Like, if he sees yeah. like some shit, like he won't, you know... He's not going to swallow, he's going to spit it out. No, yeah. So during the game, you investigate the activities. Of the, this is where it's kind of, this gets kind of crazy because there's a lot of kind of right. undead stuff going on. Um, you're investigating the activities of the Paranormal Division um, who are researching on resurrecting corpses and biotechnology while also um, developing weapons of mass destruction, like V2 rockets. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, yeah, you fight uh, SS soldiers, undead creatures... Uber Soldaten, mm. super soldiers, formed from a blend of surgery and chemical engineering mm. conducted by Wilhelm Deathshead Strasser. So basically, uh, Red Skulls. Yeah. And the end boss of the game is an undead Saxon warrior prince named Heinrich I, who they've obviously somehow, the Nazis have resurrected. Right. No, actually, to be fair, it does sound <laughs> quite. At least it sounds a bit new. Yeah, it sounds And what kind of maneuver do you have to do to take him out? Unleash lots of bullets from your chain. I have no idea. You yeah, just shoot him, I guess. Um, there's a cable car chase, apparently. And uh, one of the most memorable bits of the multiplayer was uh, one of the levels, one of the maps, was Omaha Beach from Operation Overlord, D-Day landings, and that was before it was first depicted in Medal of Honor and stuff. Fair play. Yeah. Um, oh, and it was directly in competition with um, the very first Medal of Honor, Allied Assault. Mm. Um, in the German version... Mm. It avoids making direct reference to Nazi party in the Third Reich in order to comply with strict laws in Germany. So you're not battling the Nazis, but a secret sect called the Wolves, who are led by Heinrich Holler instead of Himmler. <laughs> Which apparently is a pun, because Himmler roughly translates as Heavener, mm. and Holler as Heller. How do you process this as a German? German. <laughs> because you know it's about the Nazis. I know, just so taking, say, yeah, I know, just taking the, the, brand, the Nazi branding off it doesn't... Well, we've, we've already discussed the branding, yeah. and maybe that's a good thing to remove the branding, mm-hmm. so... So, yeah, there's no swastikas, um, there's like a stylized Wolfenstein mm-hmm. logo instead, and, uh, yeah, they used um, the Quake 3T Marina Q3 logo, which I'm not familiar with, mm-hmm. so is that ring me well? And it's powered by a heavily modified version of that game's engine, so the Quake 3T Marina engine. And it's like it had various changes made because there's like lots of large outdoor areas in this game. Yeah, just like the quake. quake was in it was in a indoor well not necessarily indoor, but it was like arenas, wasn't it? Mm, mm. Um, but this is like larger okay. areas. Obviously none of us have played it. Do you think it was well received at the time? I think no, me- mediocre. No, I don't think it was. It received favourable reviews. Yeah. Favourable. Yeah. Um, Metacritic, <coughs> it's got a score of 88 out of 100. Basically, really good. Those games were popular around that time. Yeah, they were. They were really starting to take off. 
Right, so with, with Medal of Honor coming along as well. Um, Eurogamer's Tom Bramwell called Return to Castle Wolfenstein a worthy addition to the stable of id software affiliated shooter marks. So even though they only executive produced it, you know, they still got credit. Um, they were giants in that arena. Though, yeah. So they said the single player game is average to good, but the game really earns its salt by shipping with a first class multiplayer element. So I think that's really where it sort of it got its that's audience. Really that's where it found its audience. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, we're we're mainly retro gaming here, so we zoom through the last couple, but we'll just mention them quickly. Um, this one I wasn't even aware of before the very recent ones. There's a game came out in 2009 just called Wolfenstein. Yeah, I've heard of that. On yeah, PC, yeah, came out on the uh, yeah PC, uh, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360. Um, used an enhanced version of ID Software's ID Tech 4. Um, it's a loose sequel to Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Lukewarm reception. Mm. Um, poor commercial sales. Yeah, at the moment it's got scores of 71 out of 100, mm. 72 out of 100, and 74 out of 100 for Xbox and PC. Um, IGN gave it a positive review but said you can't help but wish that they developed the kernel of ideas in this game to something more. Mm. Um, it comes off as an engaging, if otherwise forgettable, shooter. Very low sales figures. I don't know if it was if it was a marketing thing, but so I wasn't really even aware of its existence. Um, and by then, as well, by two thousand and nine, Call of Duty had sort of taken over first-person yeah. shooting, and I guess the main Wolfenstein didn't carry the same kind of prestige as it used to. No, it's a shame. Um, and an, another issue with the the sales as well is apparently it's been unavailable digitally on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, or Steam <laughs> since two thousand and ten. For unknown reason. Oh, I actually do know the reason. Oh, you do know the reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, there are kind of issues with uh, the developer got taken over by someone else, but it was a jointly developed game. Right. Between that developer and another company, and because I can't remember what the other company were, they were somewhere pretty big. But uh, basically, um, the issue is because oh, the developer did like that yeah, to Zenimax Media. Huh? Zenimax Media. <clears throat> yeah, basically, like the developer did that game got taken over by someone bigger and. Co developer is also someone big, and they currently agree on the whole kind of royalty split. Yeah. And obviously, it's not going to be a big seller these days, they think. So, what's really the point of spending money on lawyers or whatever to hammer it out? Yeah, I mean, across the three platforms, it only sold 100,000 copies in its first month. Mm-hmm. Which for a game like Wolfenstein in 2009 is not good. No. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, that was Activision. And uh, they eventually handed over publishing rights to Bethesda, um, who began development on the next Wolfenstein game in 2010. <laughs> and it was released four years later on multiple platforms, including the next generation of consoles. And that next game was Wolfenstein The New Order, which came out in 2014, um, which has been kind of universally praised. Yeah, I'm tempted to get it. Well, yeah, it, I've, I've been playing Wolfenstein 2 The New Process, I got it for Christmas. Very good. Um, but these two games, they start in a it's a, a soft reboot. I hate that term. Um, it's got it's BJ Blazkowicz is in it still, but it's set in an alternate universe where the Axis powers won World War Two. Grown, <laughs> like it's to rip off the man in the high castle. I know. In 1946, as the Nazis expand their regime all over the world, OSA agent William BJ Blazkowicz is sent to assassinate the notorious evil mastermind General Deathhead. A familiar face from previous encounters. And basically that game ends with him 
supposedly succeeding but also dying she thinks the end of BJ oh no ah. now there was uh, it's not an expansion and it wasn't DLC but in 2015 Wolfenstein The Old Blood was released again on modern consoles um, and the story was a prequel to The New Order just features some, some more sort of secret missions I think that's got some more of the supernatural elements and mm. stuff Nazis doing crazy stuff on corpses and so seeing as you played play the new ones what's your opinion on the whole kind of like ex- expanded plot lines and uh, the kind of let me just mention here. Wolfenstein 2 yeah, and then we'll, yeah we'll do that before we wrap up so yeah Wolfenstein 2 The New Colossus which came out only a few months ago turns out BJ wasn't dead <laughs> um, the rest of his sort of resistance fighters have stolen a Nazi U-boat and they spend the rest of the film trying to take down the Nazis basically um, that is life yeah I've just finished playing through it um, it's got a great story really likeable characters some funny stuff some moving stuff the gameplay itself has had come in for criticism but that thing is coming for criticism from the really hardcore FPS players which I'm not yeah. I'm rubbish at those kind of games but it is fun and it kind of retains that frantic pace of the earlier games like the latest Doom yeah I like, I yes. like that game frantic exactly good fun <laughs> gameplay exactly yeah, which brings us, so I would recommend that. But that brings us up to date. Yeah, Rob, go on, what were we going to say about I was going to ask what you thought about the expanded uh, plot lines and uh, the politics and that. Because, you know, we opened mm. this by you asking about the Nazis and yeah. the place they hold in kind of culture. What's your opinion on this? Oh, God, that's a big question. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you my opinion. Go on. I think, like, uh, the idea is, the whole idea is, the simple idea of the Nazis has been simultaneously expanded mm. and diluted. Like, you know, you talk about all kind of like supernatural elements and the yeah. technology, all that kind of stuff. Like, it kind of feels like people are imagining what the Nazis could have done to such a massive, like, massively exaggerated extent. Mm. But at the same time, it becomes diluted. It's not like kind of a German thing anymore. It's thinking could take hold anywhere. Yeah. Like, the new kind of games are set yeah. in, like, this dystopian America kind of thing mm-hmm. and so it's not really a German thing anymore it's something that's international it's not really and it is mm-hmm. like you said at the very beginning it's they're just using like the Nazi branding yeah I mean like I'm just, I don't know it's kind of felt like they've made an effort to rebrand like BJ Baskovitz is mm-hmm. kind of semi-Jewish like yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of that <laughs> to be, like it's a, it's a Polish name like mm-hmm. I don't know for me it's kind of diluted still kind of Universal kind of thing. Basically, everyone you know, you know, university the Nazis are meant to be a part. That's why they're the default enemy. Yeah, I don't really kind of. Why would you need a so-called revenge element connected to like where someone comes from for it? I don't know. I'm not a fan, to be honest. Yeah, it's not really necessary. But I see what you mean. I mean, in in the New Order, the Nazis have a moon base, and in uh, the New Colossus, there's a bit where you have to go to Venus. Is up. Hot spoilers. At one, but they. Th- oh no, actually, well, it's not really spoil. Mm, kind of. Anyway, they, the Nazis think Blaskowitz is dead, and so as the Nazis do, they're going to make a pro- propaganda film about it. Mm-hmm. And Hitler is auditioning for people to play BJ in the film, and they need to get these secret uh, codes um, from the base on Venus. But the only way BJ is going to get to Venus is to go as an actor auditioning to play him. Um, and there's a hot, there's a scene with Hitler in it. It's it's crazy, mm-hmm. but yeah, the very fact you have to go to Venus. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of tells you how crazy it's getting. Of the Nazis, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. <clears throat> well, it kind of glamorizes them in a way because, like, oh, if the Nazis would won, like, by the late 60s, they would be the Nazis to traverse the universe and shit. Yeah. Like, plus, everyone knows. There's women are from Venus, so what the Nazis are from Nazis are from Venus. Tell them any weeks to start. So, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's an interesting conversation, and that's why I knew that Wolfenstein would be a good one to do. Mm. Mm. In my eyes, it's the original Wolfenstein 3D, mm. classic FPS game. I, I know they've got sequels, I appreciate them in a sense, but for me, I just can't get my head around the original sort of 3D games. That's, that's my view on it, personally. Yeah. And I'm happy about that view. Well, I had one last question. So, I mean, we've covered, we've all, we touched on the recent ones, mm-hmm. you know. Brings us nicely up to date. So the name Wolfenstein's existed in gaming now for nearly 40 years. Wow. Yeah. And following the success of the new Colossus, because it's done really well, it doesn't look like it'll be going away anytime soon. Last question before we wrap up. Is the game about fighting Nazis still relevant in 2018? I think a certain, a certain kind of person who follows American politics would say yes very much. Mm. I think in reality, no, not really. I think it's kind of the whole actual idea of the Nazis is so much of a retro thing now. Mm, I, mean, I don't think it's really kind of relevant on any side. Question, yeah. should it have been relevant in the 80s? Like, 40 years after? Mm. Yeah. That's the second of the mm. You know? So just coming back, you know, full circle to my original yeah, comment no, no, about no, how, so how often the Nazis are still sort of relied on. No, 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 I agree. This is like nearly 80s. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's a really tough question. I'd probably say No. Just let it lie down now. I think you, move on. You know what? Culture needs to move on from this Nazi mm. kind of focus. Bit. Well, I can't. Like Rob said about glamorising it. Really, they should. What I mean, although at the same, while not forgetting what they did, they should be consigned to the dustbin of history instead yeah. of potentially glamorising. I think yeah, really, if you glamorise in this extent the Nazis, you end up with neo-Nazis. Which is then they kind of cling on to bits of it, you know, the uniforms and the flags. And, yeah. I think it's such a Western-centric kind of way of looking at things in a way. I mean, if you think about it, like, look, can I say the communists in China and Russia, killed, like China and USSR, killed so many tens of millions of people. Yeah. And we don't really kind of see them as antagonists because they were kind of confined to their countries. Mm. I'm not saying, like, one, like... Any, any one of these people are more evil than the other. No, I no. think as kind of people like Britain and America, we still kind of cling to this idea of like, that, that is like our greatest triumph is overcoming like the yeah. Nazis. Well, it's the terror of the West. I don't know about terror, but like... No, well, it was the most horrific thing in Western history in living memory. That's fair. I don't know, I think like in terms of kind of if you're a kind of classical liberal, uh, like, Britain, America, like, the triumph of the Nazis is kind of the apex of Western civilization in a way. And I think I can understand why people want to keep reliving it. It is kind mm-hmm. of a great, I agree, that cultural touchstone to come back to. Yeah. I understand it. It's, I think maybe now is the time we can need to, to move on maybe to new done. things. Yeah. We should oh, let yeah. BJ retire. Let, let BJ to... put his feet up. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the beach. Pina <laughs> Colada, chill out for a bit. He's yeah. done his job, hasn't he? He has done his job. He's done it well. So let us know what you think on that question. What you think about Wolfenstein. Have you played the original Castle Wolfenstein? We'd love to know, because none of us have. Let us know what you think in all the usual places on Twitter, at Arcade Attack UK, on our Facebook page, or through the website at arcadeattack.co.uk.